Springboard, your virtual university. My name is Albert Okran, welcoming you on behalf of Team Springboard, led by Comfort. This is your most inspirational show and the point of convergence for the greatest minds. Your virtual university is brought to you by the Springboard Roadshow Foundation and proudly sponsored by MTN Pulse, the enterprise group UMB Bank, with media support from the multimedia group and the graphic communications group. Today, we continue our series in the engine room season two of the engine room and we have with me a big friend of mine and we are trying to explore mm -hmm. the story behind the story the tears mm -hmm. the joys the learnings the planning mm -hmm. the ups and downs you normally would not find in any publication ivan kashiga is the ceo of farmhouse productions you know farmhouse for what they do in corporate productions including advertising documentaries events TV series, and of course, film production. Ivan, good to see you today. Yeah, thank you. Pleasure is mine. <laughs> Thanks for making time to swing by. Thank you. So much that we want to explore, mm. not just about your industry, but about your person, as you mm. try to find out what is the secret of the engine room. Let's go back to where it all began. Mm -hmm. Your childhood and your introduction to what you do today. Where did it begin? I was born in Kita. And... Um, Incidentally, our house was next to uh, a cinema house called uh, Croydon. At the time I was growing up, it had closed down, but across the road was another one called Premier. And so uh, I went to school, uh, uh, AME Zion Primary School. Uh, but then the, the area that we were at seemed to be the entertainment hub of the town. You know, Kita was a very commercial town because of the surfboard there was a harbor uh, though it wasn't really a built harbor but ships used to come close to shore and then uh, the people would go and bring goods in so kita had a lot of um, big warehouses uac yard uh, gb olivan john holt i mean it was a bustling town so as a result of that there were lots of traders that came from all parts of uh, West Africa to Kita Market. Kita Market was the biggest in, in um, almost West Africa at the time. So the entertainment hub was where we were. I was born. And so it meant that um, we saw a lot of things happening. We saw uh, uh, shows, entertainment concerts. We saw film shows and all that. And so it meant that I was somehow quite close to what I am doing now, even when I was very young. Um, um, 
So one of the significant things that I, I, we used to do when I was growing up, whenever we heard of a cinema, uh, a show coming, we would go and pick up the board, the cinema board, and we would negotiate with the, the, the people bringing the promoters. Then we took the board to town, and then we'll be ringing a bell, and we will make a lot of noise, you know, like cinema, eleketa, esidever. You know, there was a song we used to sing. Yes, we used to sing the song. I, 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 it was more like a, it was it a chant or. I like ever very much. So anybody who turns me ever, I will push it further. It's cinema, eleketa, esileveshileton, meaning that there is cinema in guitar, and prizes. 20 pesos, 30 pesos, you know, and so it's all like a, an advertising slogan that we had that we were singing along as we went. And, 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 and people would stop us and, sh and ask to see the board. Then when we finish in the evenings, we, when, whenever we finished and the film was about to be shown, then we would go to the gate and then we were allowed to go in to watch for free because that was our pay for taking the board around town. And so we watched this film, and then we come home, and then we now retell the story in a, we, we use paper cuttings, so cardboards, and then we'll stick broomsticks on it, put it in a box, like we are showing our own film. And we also do create our own poster that there will be a film show in our house, and all the young people in the neighborhood would come. And when they come, the, the, one of our cousins will be on the gate and he will be taking the gate fees and the gate fees include um, bullfruit, sugar, anything that the parents of these young... That's amazing. <laughs> I mean, you're telling me so in such a simple way but yes. I've seen the educational, mm -hmm. the educational, the socialization, the, orient, mm -hmm. the orientation yeah. of business yes. in a very informal, informal relaxed yes. way. And it's amazing how that has defined your career. You're telling yeah. me that really what mm -hmm. you were doing I was doing advertising. Advertising. <laughs> yes. Then you were doing film. Yes. You were watching. Then mm -hmm. you were trying to replicate production mm -hmm. by mimicking the film, even yeah. though broomsticks and cardboard. Yes. And then you also were commercializing it because you were getting people to watch, even mm -hmm. though you were paying with both footage for kid. But at least the whole idea of mm -hmm. trade, of business, yeah. of film, of mm -hmm. advertising, mm -hmm. in an informal way, for me, is very eye-catching because yeah. it just reminds me that these big things that we talk about mm -hmm. can be taught to children yeah. in a very mm -hmm. relaxed, informal way, mm -hmm. in a way that they can relate to and that can really go on to define their careers. Mm -hmm. so, so what next? How did that translate into... Right. So whilst that was going on, you know, the, the sea erosion tour was taking place. We, I went through primary school and then I entered into junior secondary school. I grew up with maternal aunties, and then my grandfather had a business, a transport business, uh, that was flying Accra and Kita. So my uncles were involved in driving the buses to Accra. So this, my uncle had this sound system, and then we would uh, go and rent a place like Rose Pavilion, and then he would do a record jam. My, my job was to write the posters, Okay. So I was already doing advertising then. So the posters we would do with uh, ink, like. Uh, but then I, I, I think that at that time I was thinking, how can I come up with a headline that will be eye-catchy, that will draw people in and get them to know exactly what is going to happen by just first look, you know, the first, as soon as you see it, it should grab you. And then at that time, Bob Marley's music was 
like reggae music was big then. So when there were these record jams, it was mainly Bob Marley's music they would be playing. So I would write a poster, One Drop. That is a title mm -hmm. from Bob Marley's song. Yeah, really you know, yeah, um, uh, Jam Naya Bingi. <laughs> you know, those kind of things. And so you see it immediately, you know, there's going to be a record jam. It's going to be mainly reggae music. And then I'll put a date and time and venue and all those things. Did you things. ever get to act yourself in any film or drama or anything? Yes. Um, when I was in school, I was acting, uh, especially in the um, uh, uh, junior secondary school. I used to act a lot in most of the plays. And any play I acted, the name I used would be my name till the next play. So, um, <laughs> so there was this one, um, 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 there's some of the names I won't say. <laughs> that, yeah, those are exactly the ones we want, the ones we do see. Because uh, I don't want people calling me. No, but I'll, I'll call your old classmates, don't tell me. Yeah, but you know, um, what, what we used to do, stage plays, but then I would add things to it. So, because I used to come to Accra a lot uh, for the, my holidays with my mom. So, I would um, watch Thursday Theater and pick learnings from that and deploy those into the plays that we were acting. So, there could be a play, uh, there's a teacher teaching us what to do, but when it comes to my turn, I was left to add my own creativity to it. So, for instance, there was a part I played as a, uh, an, army of, uh, uh, an army officer, and I would do, bring costume and things to show, and then add things into it that would stand out. And so, um, like, uh, what do they call it? Uh, left, right, left, right. Instead of left, right, left, right, for them to, to mark time, I turn it into ever minyanyi makpo, minyanyi, which means you have to stamp your feet, you know, things like that. So it becomes minyanyi makpo. You mash the clay right. with your feet. Right. <laughs> you know, that is what I, 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 I would bring in. And then there was Daily graphic, Ghanaian Times. There was, yeah, you remember that song? I, yeah, I took, no, I didn't do it, but I picked it from uh, uh, Tazi Theater, right. introduced it into a play, right. because I was um, so, something like um, a gossip. So my news is the newspaper, which is the gossip. So I bring that in and it blows. So I was doing that, but then the headmaster of the school, junior secondary school, Mr. the late Kofi Nyavi, spotted me, you know, because I had gone to the school to ask for admission by myself. My grandfather thought I should go to middle school. So he had paid already for the Zion Middle School to go there. And I went, when I came, I got back from Accra, I was sent straight to that place. And I went there for uh, one week. But most of my mates that I was in class with in the primary, had gone to junior secondary school. So whenever I was coming from Kita towards Jelukopwe to where I was living, I would meet them on the way, and they were telling me about how good their new school is and all that. So one day I just branched off there and went to the headmaster and said, I want, ad I want admission. And then he said, oh, the place was full, but what's your name? I mentioned my name. He said, oh, you knew my grandfather. And where do you live? So he gave me a book to read. I read it. He said, I read better than the people that uh, they, they've admitted. So if there was a chance, he was going to invite me. So he asked for my, where I lived. And you know, you just have to mention the house and then everybody knew. So I said I was living in this house and he said, okay. About a week later, 
He showed up that, hey, there's a spot. Would you, would you want to come? I said, yes. So I went there. It's a junior, the experimental junior secondary school. So it was a pilot. It wasn't well known. And so people did not quite understand the, the concept. So I started schooling for about two weeks. And then I was given a bill, uh, the school fees. That was when I realized, oh, they have to pay school. <laughs> so I took it to my grandfather. My grandfather hit the roof. That I've paid already for middle school. Why are you changing your school? Who told you to change school? But I, I liked it. I, I mean, I wanted a new challenge. So eventually he was convinced that I should. So he paid. And then I, I, I continued the school. The headmaster became my mentor. He was teaching me poetry. We were, he would write, read it to me, and he would perform it to me. And then he would give it to me to also perform to him. And so we were at that level, you know, and he made it such that I was interested in going to the library every day because I wanted to impress him, you know, and read and, and show him what new things I'm reading and all that. And then he would also give me new things to go and read. And that actually grounded me in wanting to continue to be reading all right. the time. Talking about reading, did, did, did you find that some of these foundations mm -hmm. opened doors for you to become what you are today? Well, I mean, definitely, because when I met my mentor that introduced me into film, Mr. Atuyani, the late Mr. Atuyani, he, the first uh, uh, interest that we had was the fact that we were able to uh, uh, connect on uh, books that we've read. So uh, he would mention an African writer and I'm like, oh, I've read this book of his and that book and that book and that book. And we would discuss the books. And he found out that I was quite um, deep in these things that I, 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 I was very happy to discuss them. And I brought out issues that he didn't know that at my age I would. About how old were you then? I think I must have been like 16, 17. And what was Atuyani doing? Atuyani had, uh, I think, had retired from Ghana Films. He was one of the first Ghanaian film directors uh, and writers. He wrote uh, Genesis Chapter X. Another film. And then, yes, and then he did uh, His Majesty's Sergeant. Yeah, that he produced and directed that film. So he was... And then he also did a lot of documentary films. He did a documentary film in the Kita area called Market Day which is one of the best documentary films uh, at that time. So we talked about all these things and my interest uh, in uh, the creative arts. Then I didn't know that there were, even was a school that you could go to to learn filmmaking. But because of my interest in it, he invited me on a set, which is, um, he was shooting what was to be the first video production, feature film shot on video. Mm. It was called The Last Show, and it was being produced by one Mr. Alan Jima, the late oh, Alan Jima. Jewish, great, great, yes, great yes. friends, the video, whole family, great friends yes, Yeah, Video City. Uh -huh. right. So he was producing it, and this man, uh, Mr. Atuyani, invited me to their set on, um, uh, uh, I think we were shooting at Dansuman Beach or Kokro Beach or something like that. And in fact, that, on that set, I saw all the icons that are people that I really admired on television. Grace Omabo, David Donto, um, George Williams, Lola Everett, you know, they were all there. And 
I mean, I saw them in flesh and blood, and I was so blown out, blown away, and I loved it. And so he invited me again to the shoot of uh, uh, an advert, uh, Star Beer commercial for Lintas. And then I didn't know anything about Lintas, but then we were shooting at a, a, a nightclub called Blow Up around Circle. Uh, I was very, very young, um, and um, he gave me the breakdown, uh, he gave me the script, and we were doing the breakdown, and he, taught, he showed me what he wanted, and then within a few minutes, I, I got it quickly and put it together. You know, as you talk about this, <laughs> sorry to interrupt you, but as you talk about this, I'm just sitting here thinking, you know what, mm -hmm. it's almost like a divine, divine yeah. hand steering yes. you. I mean, I, everything you talk about, it's mm -hmm. almost like either two things, either a jigsaw puzzle, mm -hmm. and anytime you put one down, the picture becomes it's clearer. Yeah. Or literally like a, a, an unseen hand mm -hmm. just guiding, guiding me through it. Destiny. Yes. Is that how you feel about your life? Yes, that's how I feel. Because honestly, I just mentioned that I did, we did one of the first commercials that I worked on was a Star Beer commercial for being produced by Lintas for KBL at the time. And years down the line, and I ended up working at Lintas wow. uh, for a long time. So, I mean, how, I mean, it's mind-blowing to, to know. Everything you describe yeah. comes together in mm -hmm. who you are today, yes. from your yeah. childhood, mm -hmm. from the film, mm -hmm. from the advertising, yeah. from the commercialization, mm -hmm. from writing, mm -hmm. um, posters, posters yes. trying to get the script. <laughs> mm -hmm. And you're using all these skills. Aren't you, aren't you, do you feel blessed? Yeah, I, sometimes when people ask me, uh, what other job do you think you can do? I, I, I can't think of anything else. Right. <laughs> because, I mean, this is, this is what this is makes you. me happy. Yeah, I, I, I can do it for 24 hours and I won't feel tired. I, I just love it. So beyond your natural love, let's talk about education. Mm -hmm. You mentioned that at the time that you didn't know that there was a place that you could even go to do film. Mm -hmm. I mean, you described what, you, how, what brought you into the industry naturally. Mm -hmm. Let's go to the the formal education of it. Yeah. So you went to NAFTI? Yes, yeah, so I, I went to NAFTI. Um, so at the time we had written, I had went to sixth form uh, at Aquinas Secondary School, uh, from Pitasco to Aquinas. And then I did, I was a uh, school prefect of Aquinas. It's not head of that you haven't start, done from one to five. You normally would have yeah, to do from one yeah. to five before you become head yes. boy. But I managed it. I won the <laughs> school prefect. So that, that's that. But um, after NAFTI, after uh, Aquinas Secondary School, I, I opted to go to NAFTI because Mr. Atuyani took me to the, the school. We were editing the Star Beer commercial there. And I saw the facilities. And one interesting thing is that from the moment you enter reception to everywhere is air conditioned. I mean, it was like, what? I mean, this is a school and it's so well organized, so many equipment, everything was at your disposal. So I started to, I saw, and then I saw um, um, uh, Ken, uh, Ken Kujoji, who mm. is called, popularly called Ken Shen. He was in Kitasco briefly, and I recognized him, and he said he was, uh, a student of the school, and then I started asking him questions about it. He took me to Samia Danu, who also uh, gave me a lot of insights about the school. And I said, no, uh, let's forget about this. Uh, you're going to university. Let's uh, <laughs> quickly go to NAPTI. Would it mean that you, 
in, in making that move, there were doubts in your mind or in the minds of the people that you were with them? In fact, everybody thought I, was, I would have to, I, I was going to go to uh, um, university to do law. Did they something. discourage you? And lots of people were thinking that I was going to be an actor. They didn't know that uh, NAFTI is not an acting school. It's a filmmaking school, and it's a lot more. There's a lot more to film making than, than uh, I mean, right now, a lot of people know about it. But then, not many people knew. So they were at a loss as to why I would want to go to a school like NAFTI. You know? And the only thing they know about NAFTI was time with NAFTI, which showed on right. Ghana GTV at the time, once in a while. So not many people knew uh, uh, much about But NAFTA. it's interesting that now, I mean, if somebody was going to be, be an actor, it's a big thing. It's but, a big thing. But, but then, then it wasn't. It wasn't, yes. So again, you know, you choose a path for yourself that you want to go, and people doubt, and they pull you back. People actually laughed, I mean, at me, my decision to go to NAFTA. What kept you going? I, I had a passion for it. I want to, that is what I want to do. And I quickly, I, having asked so many questions and knowing so much, I started looking at films differently. I would watch films and at the end of it, I want to know who, who are the producers, directors and of that film and all that. So I was so much into it that nothing so was going to change my mind. Right. How was the time in Nafti? Was it exciting? Was it smooth sailing? It, 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 was, it was supposed to be exciting, but even before I stepped foot in Nafti, I had a big problem, which, uh, my, you know, my dad was in, in the government of, uh, the PNDC government. He was the chief of operations at the time. And then he had a problem when he was... some major correction. Yes. <laughs> when he was... Yeah. Later to do become minister of agric, agric, and was very health, yeah. right, but very very light, yeah, right. So he was detained uh, for uh, you know obvious reasons. They thought that he was planning a coup, and so for me, that was a big uh, uh, a moment for me because I didn't know what to do. Um, so I, I ended up doing all kinds of things. You know, we were talking about divine you know, hand, right. hand in your life. Here was I, when I was in Kitab, I was able to do things that brought in money. Okay. You know, like money, we, we, we made films and, and made... So here is the case that I was confronted with this situation. Right. And quickly, the experience then, From when Kitab. I was... I was able to deploy that immediately to be able to raise enough money to, to help so what did you to pay my school fees. Um, you know, there was this drink called Picola right. that was introduced by... Uh, it had some very interesting commercials as well. And all that, right. yes. Uh, those commercials were produced by the late Mr. Kofi Buckner. Right. Yeah, so uh, uh, was, this company was Focal Point. Right. So I, I was one of the first to take drinks out of that company because one of my auntie's husbands worked there and arranged for me to get some allocation to you sell. To, to so I started drinks. selling drinks, yeah. So I was going around the airport area, airport market, introducing these small shops to the drink. I would, my pitch was, it's a new drink, it's just like uh, uh, Coca-Cola or Pepsi, and you can try it, I'll give you a crate, 
I'll come back after two or three days to see what the sales are like. And, you know, within a week, they were selling. And then you know I what my mind goes back to? <laughs> no. My mind goes back to that song you were singing when you were selling <laughs> the show. <laughs> 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 I never said you want to teach me. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's interesting, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Little experiences you do for fun turn now into... turning themselves into mm -hmm. what you are doing to mm -hmm. earn a living. Yeah. So here is, you added one more block to your mm -hmm. career, which mm -hmm. is sales. Mm -hmm. Sales entrepreneurship, yes, selling drinks. And mm -hmm. I'll just say that listen, no matter mm -hmm. how much you teach entrepreneurship in the classroom, mm -hmm. when the rubber hits the road, mm -hmm. when, when the, when the when foot hits the ground, that's, that's when you when really you know. experience yes, it. Yes. What did that do to you? Well, it made me very confident. It, actually, um, I was uh, quite a shy person, um, very shy to the point that unless I am on stage or I am in the center of something, you don't quite, will not quite know what I'm capable of doing because I'm very, I, I don't think it's being humble. I'm humble, but it's shy. I'm, I'm very shy. Like an introvert. An introvert kind of person. Doing your writing, yes. scripts, and doing yeah, your films and talking. Things, yes. And um, so, yeah, that was what, but when, when, I, when, when you step out and because your, your, your livelihood depends on it, you have to step forward and make it count. You, you, you sell out to the people. And that build companies. And some people, yes, and some people would reject you. Uh, there are only, I always say that there's only two answers you, you can get, which is yes or no. So why do you stop yourself at no? You know, you, you may get yes. If you get no to, you would learn how to put it properly so you get a yes. Two answers that you will get to every pitch you make in life, either a yes or a no. The yes means you can proceed. The no means you learn a lesson and keep trying. Those are the thoughts of Ivan Kwashiga, CEO of Farmhouse Productions, um, working with me through the story of his life and especially those unknown bits. And if you've been tracking this with us, we've spoken about the introduction to film, advertising and business. We've spoken about mentorship, from his head teacher and also from Mr. Tuyani. We've spoken about the gradual pull of destiny. We've spoken about pursuing a dream and going to Nafti, even though people thought he had made a mistake. We've spoken about responding to adversity and selling drinks, following after his ex earlier experience with selling in his village or in his town at Kita. And when we come back from this break, we'll find out how did all these experiences influences life post nafti and especially what he's doing now as CEO of Farmhouse. Please don't go away. When you can be anything, who will you become? When you can go anywhere and never feel alone, how far will you go? When you have the means to make your dreams real, when will you start? When your voice can reach every ear, who will you inspire? When your money can travel faster and further than you ever could, where will you send it? When you can tell a story in every language, which ones will you tell? When nothing can stop you, and everyone's behind you and, and the, the whole world, world awaits, awaits you. you don't go alone go with us everywhere, everywhere you, you go, go.
Hello. Dear valued customer. Hmm. ASMO. The entire customer service team is out for lunch. Please call back in four hours. What? Me nana be di akona mama me bad service ano. Me kokra. Ah nana. With bonds from Enterprise D, you will love the customer service experience cake. I'm available for you 24-7 on the Enterprise Advantage app, the Enterprise website, and on WhatsApp number 055-400-1924. Hello? Babs. Chat with Babs from Enterprise, your contact for insurance, pensions, funeral and property solutions from the Enterprise Group. Dream big with us. Enterprise, your advantage. <laughs> Hello, UMB, Ghana's premium merchant bank with the greatest Ghanaian heritage in corporate banking in Ghana is proud to offer you the best corporate banking solutions possible. We have been excelling in serving Ghana since 1972 and our sole interest is to make your business succeed. From treasury and forex trades to letters of credit, our team of corporate banking specialists are happy to sit with you to structure the solutions that will drive your business growth. Speak to our business bankers or visit any of our branches today. UMB Bank, you first. Welcome back to Springboard, a virtual university brought to you by the Springboard Roadshow Foundation in partnership with the Multimedia Group and proudly sponsored by MTN Pulse, the enterprise group UMB Bank, with media support from the graphic business. On Tuesday, this is my invitation, get your graphic business and go to page 18 and you see the full transcript of this conversation with Ivan Kwashiga, the CEO of Farmhouse Productions, my good friend. And he's helping us to unpack the story of his life and the big lessons. And the big thing so far for me, Ivan, <laughs> is how seemingly unimportant things, mm -hmm. informal things, casual things from mm -hmm. your childhood are almost coming together in a big way in what you are doing yeah. as a top professional in mm. your field. We ended off um, on NAFTI yeah. and the the seeming misfortune of mm -hmm. having your father detained mm -hmm. in your very first year and having yeah. to raise funds. So what, while your mates were learning, you were selling people. <laughs> how yeah. do you finance the rest of your education? Well, I mean, the first year of NAFTI was quite difficult for me. I was, um, uh, I was looking all over the place for Money. support. Yeah, yeah. To, and I was working. I was also, uh, uh, I, I joined a camera crew the camera department of the ICGC then at the Bedding Power Hall. And so I was learning also from Dr. Otabel. But I spent a lot of time writing applications for scholarship and all that. One day, I was called uh, to the administration. And, and, I, yeah, and I kept asking questions too about what is possible and what we can do and all that. And then, I don't know how, but then they invited me there and told me. And because I think they used to see me sitting down very quiet. So they thought that the, the detention of my dad was weighing on me. Uh, Frederick, so they invited me to Frederick Ebert, Ebert Foundation. And I was given a scholarship, and which meant that I didn't have to worry about school fees from wow. Second year to the final year. That was a big relief. Uh, so all I needed to do was to work and feed myself and be in school. That's all. Wow. <laughs> that must have been a big game changer. Yeah. Talking about your time at NAFTI, mm -hmm. what was the defining attribute for you looking back after all these years? Well, I think that the thing that made me quite different then, I mean, was that I, I, I like to ask a lot of questions. I wanted Why? to know 
I, you know, when we were uh, when we were in church, uh, you know, Reverend Otabo used to t teach about uh, you know writing down your goals and uh, you know following through and thinking about them, seeing them every day. So my goals then was that by the time I complete school, I needed to make a big impact in the industry. I needed to be seen and acknowledged as a good product. It is only if I'm able to do that, that I would be able to live well. So I started asking questions from first year. You know, how can this be done? How can that be done? And you know, who are the people that have won the most awards? And is it possible to win more than them? You know, and those kind of things. Do you sound funny? Um, yeah, some people, would, some people would think that I was ambitious. But I, I think that, you know, when you write these things down, it may be quite ambitious, unattainable. But the more every day you look at it, every day you look mm -hmm. at these things, goals that you put down, and somehow things just start turning around for you. And the, ne the next thing you notice, you would get it. Let me tell you this. My second, you mean that was? my second year film, right from first year, I knew that if I produce a documentary film in the second year and it is good enough, I will be able to win an award for it. And then I produce a feature film in the second year, in the final year. I should be able to do that film so well that it can win this many awards, and when you add a documentary to it, then I would achieve the goal. Because and it happened. <laughs> and it happened, you know. <laughs> but, uh, just, just to swing back to, to uh, my conversation recently with um, Seth Kwame Boateng, who said mm -hmm. he wrote his acceptance speech for his award before, years before, <laughs> before because that he knew you win you it. Win it. So you were sure you win it. Of course. But you didn't uh, write a speech. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on to post-NAFTI. Everyone mm. does national service and then moves on to start their career mm. and then mm. gets posted, try, tries different things. What was the route like for you? When we were completing NAFTI, then you have the opportunity to work at GBC, Ghana Films, or NAFTI itself. The, 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 I was thinking of going to be a TA at NAFTI because I thought I was that good. Then when the postings came, they said my posting was my... my form was taken by somebody at an, um, uh, the National Service Headquarters. Was, she was uh, Prudence Smith. She was a British volunteer that had come to work with a photo unit of the National Service Headquarters and went to NAFTI to find out who are the best NAFTI students coming out. And somebody mentioned my name and then she went and picked my form. And then I was asked to that that's where i could go and you know some people would go back to the national service headquarters and change their postings i couldn't because they picked me <laughs> so there was nothing i wept actually i was like how i mean because i thought i had my future mapped out well by myself you know and i thought i was on the right track but lo and behold i ended up i had to go to the national service so what, what did you end up doing there I worked at a photo unit, and we had to produce the 20th anniversary documentary of the National Service Scheme, which meant that I had to go around every district, every region in this country. And it was mind-blowing. I saw everywhere for free, because they paid my transport per diem hotel. You know, I told her later on that we became very good friends, and she was uh, very instrumental in my setting up a farmhouse. I'll tell you how. But 
I mean, I ended up enjoying the ride. I mean, this, my national service was one of the best moments because I saw places that I wouldn't have seen if I had gone to work at the places I thought I, I should be. And then I ended up doing things that I wouldn't have done because over there, I had to be the cameraman at certain point, a sound man, lighting man, I had to combine everything, like a one-man film crew on many occasions. Mm. And that actually trained me to be able to do a lot later when I entered into advertising. Help me to appreciate your okay. time at Lintas and then we'll come to your time at Farmhouse. Of yeah. course, Farmhouse is your mm. own mm. your mm. own entity. But let's, let's talk about Lintas, your time at Lintas. Well, so I joined Lintas, I think around 1993, um, as a copywriter, radio TV producer. I had gone there, uh, um, uh, to see uh, Mr. Becher Bilamte because my dad said to go and see him because there was... Everyone called him Jake. Hey, Jake, because uh, my, my senior, who was my, also my mentor, Dan, the late Dan Kemmer, was there and said to me that there was not, no space because they had just employed some people. So I thought Jake could help me get a job at another place. And then he saw my CV and said, young man, why do you think we would ask you to go to another place? Come on, go and sit down there. So that was how I got my... You went to Lintas to do for... A, a for him to link me to, to another place. In a, in a competitor. And then he, he offered... Not <laughs> on my life. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how I ended up there. But one thing that I learned from my dad was you need to make a mark in whatever... Uh, situation that you, you, you find yourself in. You need to grab everything and do it to the best of your ability. So initially, I was treated like, okay, he's new, he didn't know anything. I'll tell you this story. My first break in writing commercials, we were to write a commercial for, at that time it was UAC Textiles. And uh, UAC Textiles was coming out after a long time. They were coming out with this, their a new um, uh, fabric. Then they were doing colors. They were doing yellow CC for a long time, but now they were coming out. They had a new technology. They were coming out with some new wax prints, and they wanted to have a promotion. So, uh, so we had this big trainer from Nigeria training us, and he was writing it. And because he wasn't from Ghana, he didn't quite know the local parlance and things like that. I had been sent to Nigeria and I learned how uh, Nigeria uses their local language in their commercials and all that. So when I came back, my concept was very simple, Sika Sika. Hmm. So, but then they, they, they approved the other scripts. So when I went to read the, uh, record the voice for the other scripts, I believed so much in my concept that I made the voice person record Mr. Amankwa Mpofu record the Siko Osika as a backup as a backup then we went for presentation at the Swang Mill with the, the, the big man himself Mr. Yamsen I, I, I can just imagine <laughs> the, the building yes <laughs> so he, we played we play this uh, commercial then the ones that agency approved that thought was coming from them you know so we played that commercial Mr. Hamson got up and went to stand in the window and was looking at the, into the market. He wasn't paying attention to us. So we knew that we were on the verge of failing. So I quickly whispered to 
my boss Jake that I have the other commercial. Should I play it? At that point, you know, you have you to have no do it. <laughs> he said, come on, play it. So I just rewind, I just turned it side B. I had it on side B was, of the cassettes. cassettes. Wow. <laughs> so I play, I pressed play and the room was filled with Siko, Sika. Then the man turned and pointed at us and said, that's it. Play it again. Play that again. That was it. So when we got back, immediately my bosses started looking at me differently because they never thought that I could come up with something that would transform the i mean and that the campaign was so successful that the fabrics were named after it clients wanted us to do a second installation of the promotion so suddenly i started i mean like you your clients uh, your, your bosses would think that okay you are at this level but then you show them that you can be you can play at that level too so lots of jobs you know things were being thrown at me do this do that do this but the biggest turning point was when my immediate boss had to go to harare and i had to handle all the uh, all the accounts in uh, uh, by myself wow and that was a turning point for it you. was very difficult but i had to find a way to do it and i was so uh, uh, it was i mean you looking back it was interesting because i got people like sami b uh, Azigiza Junior, uh, uh, Yofi Bru, all these people were, they were not staff of the company, but I recruited them in on some allowance that when they do the job, we pay them. So and they were, were my legs, they they, so they would go and record, they would write some of their commercials, and then under my guidance, we get these things going quickly. And it was like, you have to be very fast in getting things out very quickly. And so we did, and very well done too. You know, you can't just turn out, turn out rubbish. It has to be really, really well uh, uh, done. Let me first track to your work at, mm -hmm. at, at Farmhouse. How have all mm -hmm. these experiences mm -hmm. shaped who you are as a CEO, mm -hmm. who at you Farmhouse. are as, yeah. as a leader, mm -hmm. who you are as a professional? Because mm -hmm. every, every little part of the story mm -hmm has some relationship with who you well, are today. I'm, I, I am today. today. Yeah, it's true. Because um, um, we, we, when um, I, I was there, I mean, I, I ended up doing things we do for love, um, which was another big thing in the, in the film industry, uh, television-wise. And uh, that sort of placed me in a position that I, I started thinking, at a point I started thinking I, I could set up my own company. And again, Prudence Smith, the lady that Prudence, the, we call her Prue Smith, actually. She's who worked with me at the National Service, uh, Service Headquarters, had come to Ghana to shoot uh, from, uh, she went to Mali to shoot and came to Ghana with a camera and said to me, oh, she brought this camera to film and she was going back. I said, are you taking it back? She said, no. Uh, yes, but she, she wasn't going to use it anymore. And I said, then can I buy it? She said, yeah, sure, if you have the money. I didn't have much money, but I gave what I had. And she said, okay. Wow. And that was it. That was the first camera. So I had my ca one camera, and then that was what I was using. Till I you have a picture of yourself with that camera. <laughs> <laughs> I do, I do. I do. So that is what, uh, what, what about farmhouse and what we do now. Most of the things I learned 
but some of it I feel are part of me as a person because uh, make, ensuring that your clients are satisfied all the time is something that I learned from home, making sure that my father's uniforms are ironed to the best that he would, he sees it and he's like, oh yeah, you've done a good Have job. Have you interviewed Skin, mm -hmm. who, whose father General Generaleskin. Yeah. Mm. I've interviewed a number of people who've talked about being mm -hmm. the the son, the daughter, the child mm -hmm. of a military mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. leader or person. Mm. I myself have some mm -hmm. antecedents mm -hmm. in that space, but what did that do to you in terms of your own formation and socialization? You know, there's nothing like a military uh, a person's attention to detail. They are so always so spot on. I remember I used to use a ruler to fix the badges on his shirt. You can't just use your eye to do it. it he would see it and say there's something wrong with it. So you have to use a ruler. You have to measure the end point. So right now I can stand and look at a set and say it is crooked. And uh, my, my staff would say how, and I would say go and measure this point and that point, and I can point it out to you that it is wrong. So you this is the ruler to, to measure. measure. Yeah, you have to. You have, you have to get you, everything. Everything. You ironing the uniform. What? You know, you after you finish ironing, and this is like a whole ceremony. You've done like one hour on on the ironing. Now fixing the badges, okay, you okay, have okay. to now measure from the end of the pocket one end of the pocket to the next end and make sure everything is centered properly. <laughs> you, can't, you can't get it wrong. And this is just like something you will wear, go in and come back. But you yes, have to do Yes. You're like a Batman, the whole yes. ceremony. Yes, but you're doing it every day, day in, day out. And, and so it has to be. been trained to the point where you can look at a set and say and it's, it, uh, yeah, it's, yeah, it's not Let's right. talk about the discipline of the, the military person, mm -hmm. the, that certain rigor. Mm -hmm. Do you find yourself displaying it at work? Well, I try to, my staff think I'm, I'm, I'm strict, um, but then you, I think it's all about wanting to be the best you can be all the time. So the, the, um, the training that he gave, my dad gave me, ha, has put that into me, but I don't think that I'm uh, uh, bossy. I am friendly but I try to push my staff to them. To, I mean, there's this thing they talk about, the 2 a.m. call. <laughs> if I call you at 2 a.m., then it means you've done something that has made it impossible for me to sleep. Wow. So if I can't sleep, then you too, you can't sleep. I mean, so probably we've done a too? job. I, I call even those that are contract staff. If you come to work with me and you haven't done, you, you, you don't deliver what I want, you are likely to get a call at midnight. And if the phones are off? <laughs> well, I'll, call, I'll, keep, I'll call you. May the next time I'm able to get through, I'll tell you off. <laughs> let's, let's, let's talk about what mm -hmm. has become the most defining mm -hmm. challenge for most businesses in the past couple of years. COVID and how you responded as a leader. Yeah, COVID. You know, when, when the COVID struck around the... Uh, um, the end of 2019, we at a farmhouse, we always know at, by the beginning of the year, the number of jobs that we're going to be doing in a year. And we always knew um, our billings for the year. So we were quite, I mean, by the uh, first quarter, we know what we're doing at the end of uh, the year. And we are quite 
comfortable and all we do is execution because we, we do the proposals and all that, you win the jobs and then you know you are doing this uh, through the year. COVID struck and all these jobs um, had to be put on hold. Some of them were cancelled, some of them were put on hold and at that time it, there was a very high level of uncertainty. We didn't know, we, we heard of some other companies that were laying their staff off People were being given uh, half pay and all that. So I called my staff and told them that, uh, you know what, we are creative people. We need to be creative around what, I mean, every challenge that we face. So nobody was going to be asked to leave and nobody was going to be made to take a half pay or anything. But we will do our best. And so let's create something. From the experience of producing YOLO, which again like yeah things we do for love became one of the biggest youth uh, tv series and showing it on youtube we realized the uptake on youtube and we knew how many people watch it even per week so we felt that, okay what if we create a youth real, uh, 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 show uh, uh, drama serial and create an app put it on the app and advertise it through social media. So we, because we didn't have the money to do uh, uh, mainline media, we should be able to attract enough young people to this thing, to, to go there to watch it, pay and watch it. And that way we will also be uh, raising enough uh, money to keep ourselves going whilst we uh, go through this uh, COVID era. We created Farmhouse Movies app. And um, by the time we launched it um i think 20 uh, 2020 december within a short time we had hit like 50,000 downloads we then were approaching 100,000 downloads it was going i mean young people were taking it because we internet is fast not uh, um, it's relatively, it's, uh, relatively fast um we also there's a lot of smartphones and in fact there are more phones in ghana than people. We have right. over 40 million phones. And so it means that um, we could tap into that technology and use it to, 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 to show our films. Right. And somehow, Farmhouse Movies is now showing us the way to go around the issues, the problems that we face in film, the film industry in Ghana, in the sense that streaming movies on these platforms is the way to go in a situation where we do not have the brick and mortar uh, 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 cinema houses for people to watch it makes it accessible you can watch it on the go your films on the go and you know like netflix is there people are watching in ghana we can also create our own platforms that people can use to to to, to access our work and so that is what we are we are at now right and it's a new business stream too uh, what we do traditionally at Farmhouse Productions. Let me pick from, from what you just said and, and travel back mm. over four, four, four decades mm -hmm. to, to mm -hmm. Keta mm -hmm. and to you taking a bell mm -hmm. and going around mm -hmm. to create demand mm -hmm. for people to watch films mm -hmm. and to get rewarded for it. Mm -hmm. And after getting to watch the film for free as a reward, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm taking the lessons from the film and creating your own version mm -hmm. of the film with cardboard and matchsticks mm -hmm. for people to play with, both footage you can keep. 
fast track mm -hmm. 40 years later mm -hmm. and the same principle is being used now enabled by technology mm -hmm. to solve a demand problem yeah. and create bite-sized mm -hmm. solutions that people can get conveniently on mm -hmm. their phones mm -hmm. and still pay you for it yeah is that not almost like the same story being retold being told, yeah, in, in different. a modern way. Yeah. What is the lesson for young entrepreneurs today, Ivan Koshigan? Well, I think that uh, young people, you need to look around. The first thing is that you need to look around and see what first, I, I believe that everybody has a talent. There's something that excites you. There's something that annoys you. There's something that when you think about, you would want to, you know, do something about whatever. So you, you must discover who you are. You must first uh, look around and see what problems are there that you can solve. And there are lots and lots of problems that are there that if you look carefully, you can find something that you can solve, <clears throat> excuse me, that um, people can pay you for. Hmm. And the whole thing about entrepreneurship is finding problems solving them and for money paid. yeah that's it find a problem <laughs> solve, solve it, it and get paid for and it. get paid for it that's it let me end on a question about <laughs> about about volunteering mm -hmm. because when you tell people find a problem mm -hmm. solve it and get <clears throat> paid for it mm -hmm. someone will ask what about those who are telling us to volunteer volunteer means go and do the thing you are not paid for it but mm. you are using it to learn <clears throat> does that not fly in the face or contradict what you're saying about find a problem, solve it, and get paid. Must it always be paid for the problem you solve? No, you, you, you don't often have to be paid for things. When we talk about volunteering, it's one very important part of your training. You cannot just get up and be who you are if you, are, you do not have enough experience. Volunteering would give you the experience that you need to be able to achieve something for yourself. When I was in NAFTI, all I needed to hear is of people, um, some of my senior people shooting somewhere, and I would find myself there just because it gives me the opportunity to see people at work and also to see uh, what they are getting right and what they are not getting right. And so with that experience, when I get on my own set, I am able to work better. You can't come out of uh, the classroom and be the best at whatever you've learned. You need to have practical experience. And volunteering gives you that practical experience. And for me, working for free pays you far more mm. than the, whatever they would pay you for whatever you are doing. How does it pay you? And that's my final question. How does working for free pays yes. you? Working for free would pay you for the rest of your life. <laughs> that is the big lesson from Ivan Koshiga. He says, working for free will pay you for the rest of your life. Look on my Facebook page. That's the big question. Ivan says, working for free will, is greater reward than working and getting paid because working for free will pay you for the rest of your life. Do you agree or disagree? Let's have this big debate on social media. So if you've been tracking with us from the beginning of the hour, my conversation has been with Ivan Koshiga, the CEO of Farmhouse Productions, helping us to appreciate the journey of his life. And for me, the big thing, how the little dots have all connected to become who he is today. And if you are... A regular here at the virtual investing asking what are the big lessons. Number one is about his introduction to films, advertising, and business, 
raised up between two cinema halls in Keta, Croydon and Premier, watching films for free and paying for it by advertising the films, and then also replicating the films in his own way with his friends and getting paid both fruit and sugar cane. Lesson two is about mentorship, particularly from Atuyani, who took him to set and was attracted by his reading, took him to set and he saw all the big icons and was blown away. The third lesson is about the gradual pull of destiny, feeling that uh, the unseen hand of God was guiding every step to who he is today. The fourth is about pursuing a dream. He went to Nafti and many thought he had made a mistake and he himself had questions, but the conviction and the passion kept him there. The fifth is about responding to adversity. He says he went to Nafti and the very beginning, in fact, before he even started, his dad was detained and that was a difficult moment and he responded by selling drinks, P. Cola in particular, and that made him more confident and he went on to get a scholarship later. The sixth one is about questions. What does it take to succeed? David said, what will be given to the one who will kill Goliath? Mm -hmm. He says he asked a lot of questions about awards and found out how to win awards mm -hmm. and he did go on to win the awards. Mm -hmm. Number seven is about blessings in disguise. He says, national service was a posting he got. What he wanted was TA of Nafti. And he says he cried in disappointment, but guess what? That rather became the springboard to traveling around the whole country, learning about different places and, and becoming a more rounded person in his industry. The eighth one is about his first break. The sales pitch that did not work. The client who turned his face to the window. And then the sequels he kind of turned the client's face back and became his turning point. Number nine is about attention to detail. He says the son of a military man had to iron his father's clothes and use a, a ruler, a tape, to measure where to put the medals uh, and, the, and, the, and the badges properly. And as a result, he can stand on set and accurately measure without any implement. Mm -hmm. Number 10 is about responding to COVID and challenging the staff to produce an alternative product that could earn them income without they having to reduce their salaries. Number 11 is a lesson for entrepreneurs. He says, find your talent, find what makes you happy, provide solutions, and then get paid for them. And my final question was about volunteering. Must you always get paid for what you do? He says, no. Service, or by extension, volunteering, is the biggest part of your training. And when you work and you don't get paid for it, you gain experience, and that is a greater reward than even getting paid because it rewards you for the rest of your life. Let's continue this debate. Ivan, a big thank you to you for making thank time you. to be with thank us at Virtual University. Yeah. What would you like us to, to take away from this conversation? Yeah, I'll just say that I've really, I'm really surprised at the number of <laughs> points you took out of this. I, I didn't know that, our, I mean, we were making, um, I'm impressed. <laughs> it's a learning journey for mm. us. We, are, we, are, mm. we have built a, what mm. we call a virtual university mm. and yeah. we are excited that we, ha we can have a relaxed, mm. enjoyable conversation and people mm. can learn at mm. all ages mm. and have a rich debate about mm. the learnings. Mm. My big learning from you, Ivan, mm. is that every single experience in mm. your life, mm -hmm. even the seemingly unimportant ones, mm. connect to make you who you are. Mm. Today, a big thank you to you and thank God bless you. you. Thank you very much. And God bless you, Farmhouse. <laughs> thank you. So, this has been our show for today in the engine room with Ivan Kashiga, CEO of Farmhouse Productions. My name is Albert Okran, thanking you on behalf of the Springboard Roadshow Foundation, the Multimedia Group, UMB Bank, the Enterprise Group, our big partners, MTN Pulse, and of course, the date 
with a graphic business on Tuesday on page 18 with Ivan Koshiga. Till then, my name is Albert saying God bless you, God bless you, and God bless you. This is the BBC World Service, the world's radio station.